listeners, and welcome once again to Wisdom Within, the podcast for anyone who lives with a mental health condition and for anyone who cares about someone who does. We are going to be chatting today in our 12th episode. We just started in February of 2019, so we're pretty excited here in mid-March to have dozen episodes on the books. Pretty exciting. And we thank you, all you folks, for listening in and encouraging us and making that possible. In today's episode, we are going to talk about um, some tips on how to handle a panic attack and uh, how to um, help or how to help someone who is going through uh, either a panic attack or some other invisible form of illness, how to help someone with uh, an anxiety disorder. So we're going to touch on those, and then we are also going to take a look at some little mental health tips that real therapists have actually, actually give their uh, patients on the regular. Uh, so we're going to share some of those with you. So we're going to take just a quick break, and we will be right back with today's 12th episode. Stay with us. Welcome back to Wisdom Within, everyone. I am your humble pod hostess and peer support human, Kathy Serline. Delighted to have you with us today as we take a look at some tips and tricks to handling panic attack and dealing with anxiety disorder and things that our loved ones can do to support us when we're going through those things. Uh, super excited to have you with us today. I uh, want to start out the show, and uh, we always uh, give a reminder in every episode that we are not the health professionals. We are here as a resource, someone to uh, have in the room with you, to chat with you, chat through some things that might be of use to you during your uh, wellness and recovery journey, or as you support someone who is on such a journey. Um, if you'd ever like to reach out to us through the show, um, we certainly encourage you to do that. If you download the Anchor app, uh, you're able to uh, look up Wisdom Within through Anchor, and you'll find a way to click on voice messaging and actually be able to talk to us. You could also feel free to send us a note at our website, which is wisdomwithinweb.com, or you can reach out to us on the Twitter at Kathleen Sirline or at Wisdom Within. So, with all that said, uh, and reminding you as always to seek help from your health professionals uh, and turn to us as a resource, we're going to step forward now with some tips on how to handle a panic attack. First of all, know that panic attacks are extremely common, especially in folks who live with anxiety disorder or depression issues, bipolar, very common sort of uh, goes along with type symptom or uh, disorder is to have a panic attack. Uh, So don't be afraid. Know that it is temporary. You've more than likely gotten through this before, so you will get through it again. And if you focus on not being afraid, you can take the power away from anxiety. It helps to move your mind and your body to stay empowered. So if that may mean pace the floor, walk around the house, go outside for a walk, um, 
Another tip is to talk with a trusted friend, loved one, health professional. Um, anxiety held in has more power. So let it out. Stay with someone. Call someone. Say aloud all the thoughts in your head. This takes the power away from them. Sometimes when we speak aloud the things that are going through our head during a panic attack, even if we're by ourselves, we can recognize how... Uh, not ridiculous, but how uh, unrealistic some of these things that are going on in our head actually are. And it takes the power away from them, takes some of the fear out of them. Uh, don't forget to breathe, 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 breathe. Not hyperventilating, but slow, intentional breathing. We always talk about that slow breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Uh, you can do it. This isn't going to last. You can breathe yourself through it. It's important to feel empowered. Trust in yourself. You've got this. And trust in your support humans because they've got you. If you are the support human who's trying to help someone with an anxiety disorder or panic attack, it's important that you take some things into consideration too. It's important that you be predictable, that you try not to surprise this person that you care about and that you're trying to support. <clears throat> Please do not assume that you know what the affected person actually needs. Ask them. And if they say, I don't know, say that's okay and just give them a hug or just be with them and let them know that you're there for them and you're there to help them and be a sounding board or be their support in the way that they need it. <clears throat> it's important that you let the person with the disorder actually set the pace during that episode or during their recovery. Um, find something positive in every attempt they make at progress. Even if they have steps backwards, it's important to let them know that every effort they make is a step forward. So uh, your encouragement can be exactly what they need to hear. <clears throat> it's, also it's also important to try to keep from getting overly emotional yourself when the person with the disorder panics. The calmer you are, the more of that calming energy you're going to be able to give to that person. Um, obviously, never ridicule or criticize a person for becoming anxious or panicky. That certainly isn't going to resolve the problem. Encourage them to seek the support they need, to take the time they need, or to seek out professional help if that's not uh, if that's not something that's been done yet it's important to just be encouraging and they will appreciate you all the more for taking such a healthy approach if I'm the person having a panic attack how you can help me with my panic disorder is by accepting that this is a part of me for now it will get better when I start to adapt to what is going on 
inside me and when I start to learn how to manage the symptoms. When we go somewhere, please give me the option to stay or to leave. I'll stay longer when I feel more in control and not trapped or helpless in the situation. Um, <clears throat> please try not to add pressure um, by being overly silent or by being ang overly angry or annoyed because we might have to leave. It only makes it more difficult for me, not only this time, but the next time. So understand that I do not want to experience this panic or anxiety. There is no specific time that it will take me to learn to manage it. Everyone's different. There are many different types of treatments and there is no one thing that works for everyone. But what does work for everyone who is supporting one of the folks who are like us, it is most important to be encouraging uh, and to give me your support, your love, and your acceptance. You can make a huge, huge impact in someone's recover, in someone's recovery, and I want to recover. So thank you for being that support and for being there and it being accepting and when I'm crying and you say what's the matter and I say I don't know thank you for saying that's okay I really appreciate that I think it's also important for our support folks to know um, that anxiety presents itself in many different ways uh, everyone is different. Cannot emphasize enough that every uh, illness will present itself differently based on the individual. So in some folks, anxiety may present itself as uh, the person showing a desire to control people or control events. They may have a lot of difficulty getting to sleep or staying asleep. They may uh, frequently feel agitated, even angry. Um, they may put up some defiance or some other challenging type of behavior. They may show high expectations for themselves, including work or sports or parenting or school or whatever it is. Um, yet they may also be avoiding activities or events, um, with work or sports or school or family. Um, they may have frequent stomach aches and headaches, um, a sure sign of uh, an overwork stressed, an overworked stress function. Um, they may be struggling to pay attention and to focus. I know I personally had trouble uh, reading initially I'm an avid reader, and I know I've said this before on the show. Um, I'm an avid reader. I have books all over my house. Um, but for a time, when I was first diagnosed, I would read and reread a paragraph or a page and not understand any of it. I could not comprehend what I was reading. It was very upsetting 
and very scary, frankly. Um, so that struggle to pay attention and to focus can be hugely overwhelming for someone. Um, they may also exhibit uh, intolerance or uncertainty where previously they may have been more tolerant or more certain, um, may have a lot of crying and difficulty in managing their emotions. They may be over planning for situations and events. Some of us feel that we're just being thorough. So, you know, that's not a total slam, people. Over planning and situations and events can prepare you for any eventuality with certain situations or events. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but just letting you know that that can also be a part of anxiety. I think it can be sort of a uh, constructive part of anxiety, though. Um, so these are just other ways for you to maybe visualize in uh, the person you're supporting. Um, you may see some of these things come to the forefront and maybe recognize that they're having an anxiety period. If you're the person living with anxiety, there may be some things you didn't know were actually anxiety related. Uh, feeling unable uh, and too afraid to speak up. Uh, thinking everyone could see inside your head. Uh, believing everyone is silently judging you. Thinking you have to be perfect so as to avoid judgment. Worrying about every word choice you're using while interacting with people. Uh, resenting yourself for not living up to everyone's standards or what you perceive as everyone's standards. Um, criticizing your every movement. Uh, a lot of uh, things that you wouldn't necessarily uh, consider. Feeling, feeling like you've had to overachieve and be the best at everything and know everything in order to be considered intelligent um, and not wanting to come off as stupid. So yeah, these are things that you know you wouldn't necessarily think were anxiety related and yet they very well could be. Um, so as far as um, changing that around and focusing on the, in, like in our last episode, self-soothing tips, um, to start loving yourself, um, to research the different types of self-care, to know that you were always worthy, even when people made you feel otherwise, to get to the root of why you don't love yourself, um, learn to create boundaries uh, with toxic and damaging people in your life. Uh, don't shy away from working on yourself. Stop waiting until you're perfect or until you meet a goal. Start now. Practice self-care and listen to your own needs daily. Get to know yourself, your hobbies, your strengths, your weaknesses, the things about you that are also lovable and admirable. If you are a supporter of someone uh, who's going through an invisible illness, uh, it's okay to ask, what do you want me to understand about what you're going through? Uh, how are your levels today? Um, no one asks that a lot, and yet it helps so much. Um, you know, how are you feeling today on a scale of 1 to 10, and where do you feel like you need some support? Um, 
keep in touch with them. They need to continue with friendships. And it doesn't have to be in person. It doesn't have to be a phone call. You can email. You can send a care package. You can text. Um, calls and uh, in-person visits are great. Um, it helps if the person is um, available to that during that time or that day. Uh, so it's important to ask them. Um, be honest. It's okay to say, I don't know what to say, but I care about you so much. It's okay to ask, do you just need to vent? Let them know you're all ears. Let them know how much you admire them for how they're handling the situation. You know, that I know this is difficult for you. I'm amazed at how well you're doing with this. You're doing so much better than you think you are. Give them a break, like asking, can I get your kids for a play date? Or can I uh, stop and grab some groceries for you? Little things like that can mean so, so much to people who are struggling and having a really emotional day. Um, another great way to offer your time, hey, I've got Monday free if you need me to run some errands or take you somewhere, or if you know that they've got an appointment upcoming with a healthcare professional or a mental health professional, it's great to offer to take them or to accompany them. Not that you have to go into the office with them or into the actual exam room with them, um, but to you know, be happy to take them, to sit in the wait, waiting room and be there for them before they go in and when they come out. Um, really, really wonderful thing because it's very hard to force yourself to go to those early uh, appointments. Um, a real struggle to bring yourself there and to sit in the waiting room and wait. I remember I had the wrong time on my calendar for one of my first visits with my uh, psychiatrist and I waited and waited and nobody came out and they don't have like a this particular office is the folks around, uh, run their own shop basically it's a psychiatrist and a couple of therapists they're their own secretaries they do their own scheduling so there's not a receptionist uh, when you walk in you just walk into this nice waiting room and they come on out and get you uh, at the time of your appointment uh, or when their other appointment stops. So, yeah, I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and nobody came out of the rooms and I left. I left in tears and only to find out I had the wrong time on the schedule. So it, it's, and the, the psychiatrist was so apologetic to me, um, which I was so touched by because she never would have let that happen if she had known I was in there, but she was already in with a patient, so she wouldn't have left that. Uh, to come out and see who was in the waiting room. So it was completely my fault, um, but it can play tricks on you. It's really great to have a support person. And even if that had happened, if I had had a support person with me, they could have talked me through it or calmed me down from it or encouraged me. Everybody makes mistakes. It's okay. We're going to come back for the next try. Um, so um, just providing that uh, emotional support um, what a suffering person needs most is compassion and understanding. So recognize that what they could do yesterday may not be possible today, but they could be capable of so much more tomorrow. So don't question that. 
recognize that every day is different and just be that encouragement and emanate that calm, loving support that is so much needed by folks like me when we're struggling. And we thank you, as always, Support Humans, for everything you do and for being there for us. So recovery and mental health is a process like any other illness. Uh, it takes time, it takes patience, and sometimes it takes everything you've got. And we already mentioned how difficult it can be to make those first appointments uh, to get with a mental health professional. Uh, so we thought we would bring you some small, well, they're small, but they can actually have a big effect. Some small mental health tips that real therapists have given their patients. Um, and we hope that uh, some of this may uh, be very useful for you. <coughs> Excuse me. So the goal of therapy is to give you the tools and strategies for navigating whatever's going on in your life, whether it's stress or relationship issues or managing a mental health diagnosis. But a therapist isn't going to just hand over some life-changing piece of advice and call it a day and boom, you're done and out of there. Most of the work of therapy happens outside the consultation room. The best progress happens when you apply what you've learned outside that setting and in your real life. The good news is this means that you have the power to enact real change in the way you think, the way you behave, and the way you cope on a daily basis. But you need to put in the work. Every skill you learn takes practice, practice, practice. There are 168 hours in a week. And it would be terribly arrogant if any therapist thought that your one hour uh, meeting with them would be enough be enough to get you mentally through the rest of the week, the next 167 hours. <clears throat> but we get it. Therapy isn't always accessible to everyone. So while this isn't meant to be a substitute for professional help, and we always encourage our listeners to seek out professional help, um, this, is, this is a compilation uh, based on what mental health professionals shared in the most impactful and least intimidating strategies that they typically give to their patients. So if you're looking for mental health advice that you can start acting on immediately, these are pretty much safe for everyone. <clears throat> so the first suggestion they offer is actually writing your thoughts down to try that. Uh, venting is awesome for a reason. It helps you to get out your frustrations. That's one of the reasons why it can be helpful to keep a mental health journal. <clears throat> you don't need to do anything in depth or lengthy. Take maybe five minutes or so a day to just write down your thoughts, your feelings, your ideas. This can be especially helpful if you want to try to keep track of changes in your moods or changes in your behavior over time, maybe to discuss with your therapist later, but it can also just be a place to work through something in a private, non-judgy space, something that you might not feel comfortable talking about out loud just yet. 
Another suggestion they offer is when you're super stressed and overwhelmed, see if there's a way, any way, to put a positive spin on it. Stress happens and it, it always sucks on some level, whether you're overworked, overbooked, overwhelmed, all of the above. But you can still take those moments when you're totally overwhelmed and try to look for the good in them. If you're stressed because you're up against an inter intense work deadline, um, think about how that stress could actually help to push you to get it done. Look at it as a positive, motivating challenge instead of a negative stressor. Um, if you don't have a free weekend to yourself in the next several months, um, it can be overwhelming in itself, getting booked up with events and friends and places and weddings and all sorts of things, especially with the spring and summer months coming. Um, but consider how great it is in that case that you've got such a rich life these days that there's so much going on. And in many cases, it's all about how you view it. If your calendar is empty for the next few months, look at that as a positive that you can find excellent pieces of the of the calendar puzzle to fit in there that are going to be meaningful for you in how you spend your time during your recovery journey. And of course, if you are chronically stressed and there really isn't an upside, consider viewing that as a warning sign, a welcome warning sign that you need to maybe look to find ways to scale back a bit before you burn out. Another important tip that the therapists give us is to plan to take daily low-key walks and actually do them. Sometimes you just need to step away from what you're doing or dealing with and get some air. Um, sure, getting regular exercise is important for mental health, for physical health, but even just taking relaxing walks can be soothing for your mind. Plus, it may literally force you to take a breather when you need one. So getting out into the world and connecting with life is usually healing, as is the rhythmic nature of walking. It can help you get out of your head and get into the world. Try taking a walk when you first get up or after dinner or try scheduling 20 minutes into your work calendar to remind you to just step out for a bit. Another suggestion offered by the therapists include countering negative thoughts with positive ones. And that can be difficult, but all of these are learned skills, things to develop. So negative thoughts are a part of life, but obviously they don't have to consume you. Instead of trying to ignore negative thoughts altogether, try countering them with positive statements. For example, if you're feeling uh, anxious and regretful because you stayed in bed till noon one day, give yourself a reminder that you must have really needed that extra rest and alone time and you can get back out there tomorrow. Make a list of your people. You know the ones. These are the people you know you can always call, you can always text them or email them when you need to feel a connection. By building up a list of people that you trust, people you can talk to in times of need, you are allowing yourself a strong sense of not being alone. Another tip from the therapist, when you're stuck in a negative thought spiral, or if it becomes really severe and it becomes a negative thought tornado, 
take a moment, step aside from it, write down two good things. I know, sounds ridiculous. It's hard to think of anything else when you're really upset or frazzled. So this exercise is mostly about hitting the pause button and broadening your focus beyond the negatives that, are, that you're spiraling with. So just think of two or three positive things in your life in this moment. Something that brings you joy or something you're proud of or someone who loves you. These can help to ease your feelings of angst and frustration. Changing our matitude to gratitude. Uh, gratitude is something uh, to cultivate uh, especially when life feels overwhelming and negative. Um, I have days where I'm just thankful for a hot shower or thankful that the sun is shining. But there is something every day for which we can be grateful. It's important, uh, our therapists say, to also have a self-care arsenal. Our last episode was on self-soothe tips. Uh, so that may be a great re resource for you to check in with if you haven't listened to that one already. Um, but everyone has certain things or certain coping me mechanisms or skills that they've practiced and developed over time that can give them a boost when they're feeling crappy. Like you might not even realize what yours are, but, uh, you know, it might be something simple. It might be taking a bath or watching that one YouTube clip or putting on those sweatpants with the three different holes in them, whatever it is, just make sure whatever it is that it's accessible to you when you really need it. Another good tip from the therapists is to talk back to your inner voice. Yes, I know that sounds weird. That's just what I need to do is have people thinking I'm having conversations with myself. But hey, we all do that anyway. Everyone has an inner voice. The way you talk to yourself in your head or out loud. But sometimes that voice can be cruel, even though it's ultimately you talking to yourself. It can tell you that you're a failure convince you to stress about something that you have absolutely no control over. Worry accomplishes nothing. I know I'm a professional worrier, but it doesn't get you anywhere. It raises your blood pressure, and usually the things you're worried most about don't come to pass. So, obviously, easier said than done, <clears throat> but here's a good place to start. When your inner voice is giving you really crappy feedback and advice, stop and consider how you would talk to your best friend in the same situation. You know you wouldn't be as harsh on them. It's said that we're our own worst critics, and we so are. But when we talk to our friends, our loved ones, our kids, our closest family members that we love and adore, if they're struggling, we're not going to put them down or say mean things to them. So try to adjust your inner voice to talk like that to you. Chances are you wouldn't tell your loved one that she's doing everything wrong. You wouldn't tell her that everyone hates her, but you might tell yourself these things about yourself. You'd probably tell your friend she might be overreacting, but that she has you know, she may have some reason to think these things, but it's probably not going to be as bad as she thinks. And that she could focus on 
what she can actually do to control the situation or to regain control of herself in the situation. And you want to do that in the most positive, encouraging, and supportive way possible. Another good trick is sort of the comedy improv approach of yes and or then what, basically. In other words, whatever it is that you're dealing with, you have to accept it and say, okay, now what? Now what am I going to do with this to yourself? Yes, I accept this and I'm going to do X with this. So um, ruminating over something that's making you anxious isn't going to achieve anything, but you can help push your thought process forward. <clears throat> if you force yourself to think in that accepting yes and or and then what way. It helps you to get clear on thoughts that are reasonable, probable, doable, rational. Um, if you keep worrying that you're going to lose your job, there may be absolutely no reason for you to be thinking that way, but you may be worrying it over, worrying over it anyway. Ask yourself, what would happen if that were the case? It might seem terrifying at first. You'd be strapped for money. You could lose your apartment. could impact your relationship, etc. But then follow those thoughts. Okay, and then what would happen? And what's next after that? Maybe you would look for a new job, find a less expensive apartment. Uh, eventually, your thoughts can come around to reasonable solutions to your biggest worries. You might even realize that most of these scenarios, while certainly anxiety-inducing, are unlikely, highly unlikely, to come to pass. Another really strong tip that therapists give is to think about your alcohol habits and whether you could stand to cut back a little. <clears throat> your alcohol intake doesn't just impact your physical health, it affects your mind too. So it's important to consider drinking habits when you're aiming to improve your mental health. If you find that you're typically drinking more when you're feeling depressed or anxious, or that you end up feeling worse whenever you drink, try cutting back on how much you take and how often you have it. If it helps you to keep a log of your drinking and your emotions before and after, that might also be helpful. And finally, they stress to have a bedtime ritual. Quality sleep is such a crucial part of your mental and physical health, but it can be especially hard to come by when you're struggling with anxious or depressed thoughts. So do everything you can to try to quiet your thoughts before you get into bed. Since it's unlikely you're going to solve anything overnight, it's okay to press that pause button on those intrusive thoughts and, and to try to get a solid night of sleep before diving back into, okay, what are we going to do to work on this, to resolve this, to work on my recovery, or to move forward in whatever this difficult situation is. It might include writing down everything and everything, everything and anything you're worried about so that you can go back to it tomorrow and just stop thinking about it for now. Whatever you need to do at bedtime to get yourself wound down. You can look for winding down activities that won't work against you, like staring at your phone or Netflix might do for you. Um, <clears throat> those things, even though we're so 
uh, into the habit of staring at the phone or Netflix before we go to sleep, um, those aren't necessarily going to help our mind wind down. It's actually going to keep us at a more elevated state. But things like uh, coloring or journaling or reading, uh, as long as you have a stopping point in advance, do not try and finish an entire book before you go to sleep because then you're not going to get any sleep. So these are just things to think about from uh, some very friendly professional therapists. And the bottom line here is that there are a number of small but impactful ways to improve your mental health every single day. This list is, of course, not a substitute for getting help from a licensed medical professional. We always encourage our listeners to do so. Um, those folks can walk you through more individualized strategies that can help you. But this episode hopefully gave you a few ideas that you can use the next time you're feeling overwhelmed. Remember, don't be afraid to reach out for help if you need it. So glad you wonderful pod people could join us today for our Wisdom Within 12th episode on how to get through a panic attack uh, and uh, tips from our friendly therapists. We hope that you will check out our other episodes. Let us know what you think. You can reach us uh, by attaching to the Anchor app and uh, voice messaging us. You can send us a message uh, at our, on our website at wisdomwithinweb.com. Or you can reach us via Twitter at Kathleen Servine or at Wisdom Within. We are delighted that you chose to spend some time with us here today at Wisdom Within. We look forward to bringing you more episodes to hopefully help you along on your journey of wellness. We look forward to hearing from you with your tips and suggestions and comments or questions you'd like us to delve into other resources you might know about that you'd like to share, any of that good kind of stuff towards the greater good. We're happy to hear from you. So again, thanks for being here. We value you. We appreciate you every visit, and we look forward to being with you again real soon. Until then, take care, everybody. Bye-bye.